What's up, church? Hey, we're so glad that you guys are here on our Wills Point campus, and uh, we look forward to what God is going to do this morning. Um, I don't know if you know it, but in 1893, uh, there were several people in the city of Chicago that were getting ready for a local fair, and they put out a challenge to several people within the area and said, we want something to be at our fair this year that's bigger than the Eiffel Tower. And so there was a young man uh, who set out on an adventure, and he constructed this massive, massive uh, design that would allow people to experience something but to oversee the entire fair as they, they rode on this contraption. Now, the guy's name was George Ferris, and he actually came up with the Okay, the Ferris wheel. He came up with the Ferris wheel, and um, he actually went, he proposed a plan, and people thought that it would be way too dangerous. But after constructing it and uh, beginning the process, he said, no, I promise it'll work. He raised over $400,000 just through local businesses, and they agreed to do it. Now, it's said, maybe a folklore, that after he had it constructed, that he brought his wife and he contacted a journalist uh, from the local newspaper and said, you guys are going to get the first ride. Now, if you can imagine this entire um, thing of emotions that are going through their mind as they look on to this giant contraption called the Ferris wheel, this thing that they would say out Eiffel the Eiffel. They looked on, and here's what's interesting. They would say that science proved it up, that they had all the knowledge that they needed. And then after they saw the, the science and the knowledge, there it is, this will constructed in front of them. They have belief, and that belief is going to cause them to take a step of action of some way, form, or fashion. And so it's knowledge and belief that lead to this next step, and it's called trust. And it's one thing to say, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll believe that the Ferris wheel works. It's a whole other thing to get on it. And so if you can imagine with hesitancy, George Ferris, his wife, and this local journalist for the very first time get on the Ferris wheel. And they wait as it takes 20 minutes to make its first full cycle. The wind is whipping and it's blowing. And my friends, you saw the evidence of faith in front of you. And so here's what I want you to understand. Faith requires three basic elements. The first one is knowledge. You have to have knowledge. And so my experience and knowledge over the course of my life would tell me that this right here is a what? Okay, let's say it with me, okay? A, a what? There's some of you on the back row like, uh, why are we doing this? Yeah. This is a chair. That's what knowledge tells me. And then as I look at my belief, it's, it's not the chair color. It's not the padding on the chair that gives me a belief. The belief is as I look the chair over, I look at it, it's its structure. I've seen enough chairs. I've gathered enough knowledge over my lifetime to, to believe in this chair. And it's one thing if I say, hey, I believe in this chair, but you know what? Refuse to sit in it. Trust is when you partner knowledge and belief together to help you take that step of faith. And so faith is this coupling of knowledge and belief that allows you to take the step of what? Trust. 
And so I trust the chair when I finally sit down, right? Like, and here's what's interesting is that every single one of you today, you sat down in a chair and you didn't look the chair over. You, you didn't get up under and go, I, I wonder if the structure's okay. You just gathered knowledge and belief over a course of time and you just trusted that chair without anything else and even thinking about it. It was no rational thought. It was just, you just sat down. And faith is when we begin to partner those three things together to take action. Here we are in this series in Hebrews, and we're landing in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It's literally story after story after story of people who have taken a step towards God and His direction for their life. They've coupled knowledge and belief to trust. And it literally allows them to have faith. And so as we dive in today, I want to show you six things that are true about people of faith. And I want you to show you one component or one characteristic that will keep you from living those six things out. So I'm going to show you six things that you can just bank on. Like every single person of faith will exhibit these six things. Every single one of them. Every story that we read, every person that you know who has coupled knowledge, belief, and trust in a step of faith, these will be true for them. But there's also one component. There's one thing that will keep us from it. And today, as we walk out of here, our prayer is, our goal is, is that the six things we know to be true will always overcome the one component that keeps us from living it. And so if you don't mind, let's pray. And then we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 11, all the way through tra- chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We've got 43 verses to cover. That's about 30 seconds per verse. Let's pray. <laughs> God, you know the challenge before us. And uh, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and grace. Help us to see the stories as they unfold before us. But God, may they be more than knowledge. May it allow us to take a step of belief, and may that belief lead to trust. And as we look at all of these things coupled together, I pray that we would have the courage, that we would have the strength to follow you in faith. And so God, teach us, spur us on. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. If you have uh, a Bible, I encourage you to open it with us. If you happen to be here and you uh, just have your phone, I encourage you to look it up. And then I encourage you to take notes. And so here we go. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. Now here, if you look at uh, the idea of faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the word hoped is not, oh, it's like a lackadaisical type of hope, but it's a, an assured hope. It's not like, hey, I hope we win this ball game. It's a, I believe this is going to happen. It's going to be true. It's coupling all of those things together, your knowledge, your belief, and your trust in the step of faith. It's believing God for something really big. Now, what's interesting is, is many of our steps of faith we take, although it's sight unseen. We don't necessarily see everything that there is to come. But for by it, verse 2, the people of old received their commendation. 
it was the people of old and their steps of faith that allowed them to have their commendation. It was the seal of the approval. It was the pat on the back. It was the next step in their faith journey of not just taking the step, but ultimately receiving the promises that were fulfilled by God through them. Now, it could be argued by anyone in this room that people of old you know, had, had much bigger steps of faith. Or maybe you would say, well, no, no, no. I think now it's a bigger step of faith for all of us. But the question is, 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 is that really true? I mean, here's what's interesting. In the people of old, you always had, what, throughout the, uh, the whole cycle of the Old Testament, you had God the Father who would speak. And he would do it in many different ways. He would do it through dreams and visions. Uh, he would do it through angels. He would do it uh, through a burning bush, if that's what it took. He did all of these different things. It was a manifestation of him, the Father, to his people. Now, what's interesting is, is that in the Old Testament, they did have the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God was always measured. It was always apportioned for a season and for a time. And so we, we heard just a couple of weeks ago in, in our um, family worship time that Samuel anointed David's head with oil and the Spirit of God rushed over him. And so the Spirit of God was walked with David. But if you remember, the king before David was king who? Saul. And if you remember, the Spirit was among him, but eventually what was withdrawn. And so the Spirit of God was withdrawn. And so any step of faith was, was not necessarily sight unseen completely, but there were a lot of things that they had to trust in. We'll give you those examples. And so it was by that step that they received their commendation. Now, get this. You think about the disciples, the people who saw God visibly in the form of His Son, the Word incarnate, living among them. You go, well, that's not near as big of a step of faith. I mean, you got Jesus, the Son of God, right there. I mean, how do you not follow him? Right? Because most of us in here, we go, God, if you would just show me something. Like, if you would just show me something, you know? Like, how many in here, you're like, God, I just need like a, a bolt of lightning or something, you know? <laughs> God, like, I'm just going to pray. And if you'll just kind of show up on that wall and say something audibly to me, that would be fantastic, Right? But the thing is, is this, is that for them to trust Jesus, to follow him, was a huge step of faith. And here's why, because they had to risk their life. It meant losing their life, as Jesus said, and for that sake you'll gain it. It meant that there were going to be consequences, there was going to be toil and laboring in a culture where Jesus was not widely accepted. Yes, you saw visible miracles, you saw the form of Jesus in the flesh, you saw God incarnate among you, but it was a huge step of faith. Why? Because... In order to follow Jesus, Jesus says, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And literally what he's saying is, is that following me is probably going to lead to your death. Now what's interesting is, is that they, they had knowledge and they had belief. But that step of trust was going to really cost them something. And so for many of them, they elected not to follow. Now you look at us and you go, okay, well, you had the Father in the Old Testament. He spoke in many different times of ways. You had Jesus in the form of the flesh. Man, we must be toast because we don't have God. I mean, he's never spoke to a burning bush. He's never spoken to me audibly. I mean, I don't see Jesus face to face. And so what do we have? Well, we have the Spirit of God. We have the same Spirit of God who hovered over creation. We have the same Spirit of God who helped lead the uh, Israelites across the Red Sea. The Spirit of God is manifested in us as believers. And so He helps us walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5. 
And so I want you to understand that regardless of where you are, it's the same that's true for everyone. So as we dive into this, know that they receive their commendation, verse 2. Why? Because of their faith. That's how it's credited to them as righteousness, because of their faith, because of that step. It's coupling all things together. It's knowledge and belief and trust that leads to that step of faith. And so here it is, verse 3. By faith, we, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's the idea of Colossians 1. All things were made by God, for him, by him, both visible and visible. And so let me explain something to you. It takes faith to trust God. And many of us in here, you've heard the old adage, well, how do you believe in God because you don't see him? Like if you don't see him, how do you? I mean, it's ludicrous that you, would, that you would put a sip of faith that way. But the question is, is this, don't you see his work? Romans 1 says that from the very beginning of creation, you have seen his works full well. That when you see the sun rise and the sun set, it is display of who God is. And it's coupling that knowledge and that idea of faith together. And it's taking that step together. And so do you understand? It's, it's taking something that's what? Not visible and trusting that God is in it. So here it is. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, and God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, check it out. Here's the very first thing that you need to see that's true for everyone. You got me? Strong faith is remembered for ages to come. Look at that. Look at that. Y'all, are you all with me here? Verse 4, by faith Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than who? Cain, through which he was commended as righteous and God commending him by acceptable what gifts and through his faith though he died he still spe- speaks do you see that though he died he still speaks people of faith though you die your legacy what continues to speak for ages for for ages to come he'll what you'll see the the picture of God speaking to people through what he is doing why Because of your faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. If you remember Enoch and Elijah, the two guys that have never died. Enoch was a guy who was said to walk with God and he's never died. And it says, and though he was not found dead because God had taken him, now before he was taken, he was committed to having pleased God. Now, I don't know about you. Yeah, I've never seen anything like from God, like a, a sign visibly, audibly, anything like that. But could you imagine living out such a strong faith that God says, you're better with me than here? Like, can you, like think about that for just a second. Enoch, it was so faithful to God that God said, I would rather have you here. And it was by his faith that God commended him. It was, ple- it was pleasing to God for him to live faithfully. And so, look, you need to see that it was Enoch and his faithfulness that allowed him to be commended by God. And the question is, is this. Was it because Enoch had all of these visible signs? Was it because Enoch had all of these extraordinary things happening in his life? And the answer is, no, I don't think so. And so the thing is, is that if you have a strong faith, you'll see it for ages to come. But the second thing is, is that faith requires steps that are not always visible. 
How many of you in here, you at some point in your life would say, I have taken a step of faith where I did not see all the visible signs? Okay, hold on, let me ask you one more time. How many of you in here, you've taken a step of faith and you've not seen all the visible signs? It's like Martin Luther King Jr. He says, faith is taking the first step even though you don't see the entire staircase. Faith is taking a leap out there and saying, God, I have no idea what you're calling me to, but I'm going to trust you there. And then I want you to see all these examples of people who've done that. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Seek him. So he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's when you know that you can begin to take a step of trust. That faith that leads is when you earnestly seek him and know him. Because as you know and seek God, then guess what? You're not always walking alone. And not only that, not every step that seems invisible is invisible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I want you to see that what he is doing in the lives of these people, although they didn't have the staircase in front of them, is an amazing thing. Verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah. Think about Noah. Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed the ark for the saving of his household. Do you remember the hardship that he endured? You're building a what? For what? Rain? What is rain? I don't know, but it's coming. Can you imagine that step of faith? that you're remembered for. Like Noah, the reason he's remembered for ages to come is because he took a step of faith, although the end was not seen. Like he's remembered because he constructed a boat that happened to be three times the size of a football field. I mean, but he, he, he did that, why? Because he loved God and he trusted him, although he had never seen all the things laid out before him. He had never seen rain. He had never built a boat. He didn't know if his boat would float. But he said, God, I'm going to trust that the plans that you've given me will work. I'm going to trust that all those people, they keep naysaying me and they keep shouting things at me. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust that even though I look like a fool, one day you will bring vengeance and you'll pay back all of these people who what? Mock me. That's trust, isn't it? And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Now look at Abraham. Now Abraham, he obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He left Ur the Chaldeans. He had family. He had gods. And yet he heard from the one true God and he said, Abram, I'm assuming that's what it sounded like. I don't know. I've never heard. So I... Abram, what? Who is that? I think that these two men are examples of real faith. Hearing from a God that you've never heard from, not having the knowledge that you and I have. They gain knowledge rather quickly. The traction that they're having to come up with is quick. And then they believe him, and then, then they trust him. Noah builds a boat. Abram says, 
Sarah, let's go. We're leaving. We're doing what? What about my mom? What about my cousins? What about my homegirl over here? Surely you're not going to let me leave my BFF, right? I mean, have you ever made a move? For some of you, are like, no, I've lived in Wills Point all my life. Yeah. <laughs> when you take a step of faith and you trust God for something big, like a move, picking up your family, and trusting God just for a measure of faith, it's huge. And so Abram said, I'll leave. And what did he trust God with? He trusted God for a land of promise, verse 9. In a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to, to what? The city that has foundations, whose designer is the builder of God. He was looking forward to a new land, a promised land. And what's interesting is, is though he would never see the land flowing with milk and honey, say Canaan, he would never get to experience everything that, that God wanted for the people there. In, in totality, he didn't have the land, the people, the sins that God had promised, Genesis chapter 12. It was his faith that God said, I'm pleased to call you the father of this great nation. I am pleased to call you not Abram, but Abraham. From you will come many descendants. It is your faith, Abraham. It is you trusting that what has brought about faithfulness. And you will be commended because of that step. Look at 11. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, and even though she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. I mean, do you remember Sarah at first kind of laughing at God, chuckling? And so she has a son named Isaac. Laughter. And it was God's way of saying, hey, Sarah, have faith. Don't laugh at me or I'll laugh back at you. And so Sarah trusted God, and therefore from one man, as him as good as dead, there were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. And it began, this work, because of one man's faith, because of his wife believing and trusting that God could impart to her a son in obedience. And for all of those that had died, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them, verse 13, from afar, and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for the people who speak does make it clear, and they are seeking a homeland. So God says there is more, and there is a land to come. There is one that is, is more than flowing with milk and honey. It is more than a place that you'll overcome with giants. It is a place in which oh, I will allow you to dwell with me as the family of God forever. And then verse 15, it says, And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would, what? Had had the opportunity to return. But, at, had the opportunity to return. but as it is, they desire a better, better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What is that? A new heavenly dwelling. Why? Because of their faith. And so you might wonder, well, how does one person have a relationship with God? Was it different in the Old Testament? Is it different than the New? And the answer is no. It has always been the same. It is by faith and bloodshed that the people find what? Forgiveness and a relationship with God. It has not changed. It is by faith and bloodshed. It is Romans 10. It is a belief in your heart and confession with your mouth that a person would what? Be saved. It has always been true, regardless if you saw a picture of God, if you saw Jesus face to face, or if you now, what, have the Spirit who's drawing you to God himself. 
It is always the same. It is faith and bloodshed. And so you go, okay, if it's faith that helps us live out to God, but it's not always visible, then how in the world do people see what our faith is really about? And here it is. Your obedience shows everybody else what faith really looks like. So faith is made visible through our obedience. Think about that for just a second. Like The reason I wanted to put that in here is this. We take many steps that always, what, aren't always visible. Like you're taking steps right now in your life and you're wondering, should I do this? Is this the wise decision? And you are partnering knowledge and belief and wondering if you should trust in a step of faith. And why I emphatically say, yes, it's worth it, is because although it may not be visible to you, you may not have all the steps before you, when you take a radical step of faith, trusting God for something, everybody else gets to see it. Like, think about it. Like, how does the person at work who who says, you really are going to do this? How do they see God really work? It's when you are faithful. It's when you trust God for something bigger. That's how other people begin to see your faith at work. And so look at Abraham, verse 17. When he was tested, he offered up Isaac. You remember his son? And who had received the promises was the act of offering for his son. I mean, he goes up onto the mountain. He's going to sacrifice his son. How do you know that he took a great step of faith? Because you got to see it displayed. You and I have read about it. And it was Isaac. Through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. I mean, think about this. You're about to kill the very person. You're going to sacrifice the very one that your offspring will increase through. That's a step of faith, isn't it? You're going to sacrifice the very one that the promise to the people of Israel is flowing through. You're willing to give him up. And yes, in verse 19, he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Do you understand what? He believed that even if he sacrificed his son, that God would raise him back from the dead. That's faith. Faith is, God, I'm going to be obedient to you. I don't know why you're asking me to do this. But I believe that if I do it, that you're going to raise him back. And here's why. Because he had enough knowledge, information, and belief that the promise and the line of what? The generations to come had to go through who? Isaac, his son. Do you see the picture here? He goes, I know that you gave me a promise. You said that great is going to be our name, that we're going to be blessed, that we're going to have more descendants that we can count, more than the stars of the sky, the sand on the seashore. And I know it's got to come through Isaac. This kid of laughter. And so, God, you haven't brought us this far to stop now. And so he raises his hand, and all at once, God says, and there is a ram caught in the thicket. Sacrifice him. But the picture is his faith. Verse 20, it says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over his head and his staff. By faith, verse 22, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He says, make sure that it's visible. Now, what's interesting is that they were to take his bones back. And they were going to put them in the place of the promise. But for 400 years, his bones were made visible in an, an external box. They were never placed in the ground. Why? Because it was, it was to remind them of a visible act of faith. Do you see this picture here? 
Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so they took a step of faith and they took him in, they cared for him, and they knew that we're going to instruct him of the ways of the Lord. We're going to write the tablet of God's word on his heart for this little season that we have because we know we're going to have to give him up. We know he's going to be, what, taken through Pharaoh's house. We know that Pharaoh's daughter is going to care for him. And so God's given him to us for a limited time. Let's instruct him in the knowledge of the ways of the Lord. Why? Because they weren't afraid of the king's edict. It was by faith that they instructed him, they taught him which I believe is indicative of what happens in verse 24, 25, and 26. By faith, Moses, when grew up, would make three choices. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That was decision number one. He says, I would rather be called a child of God than a, a child of Pharaoh and his daughter. I would rather be a person that loves God and is faithful to him rather than to the king and his palace. And so he takes a position, and he chooses rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. He has the right. He now is under Pharaoh's house. He could say, you know what? I love the king's food. I love the pleasures that are afforded me. I'm going to just stay here in comfort and in sin. But he says, I would rather go be mistreated with the people of Israel than to stay in this house. And so he gives up his honor and his prestige. He takes a step of faith, although sight is unseen. He goes out and what? He begins to live among them. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He goes, I, I could have many gods. I could serve all the gods of Egypt, but I would rather say, serve what? The one true God. Why? Because I believe there is a, a fulfillment of one to come. His name is Messiah. His name is Christ. I would rather go after the longings of those things by faith than to enjoy the comfort of Egypt and Pharaoh and his guard and his palace and the amenities that are offered him. And so by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, and he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do you see that? He goes, I see this visible external force, the most powerful agent in the world, and I'm going to leave him, although I will possibly be scorned and shamed. I'm going to trust the one who is invisible. Do y'all get this picture here? Are you, are you with me? So you have a choice. You can follow after things that are seen, but they fleet. Or you can, you can follow after things that are oftentimes unseen, and everybody else will see your faith. And so it's when you take steps that aren't always visible that other people get to see the commendation lived out in your life. They get to see God reward you and bless you. And so by faith, Moses, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to, they were drowned. The word drowned literally in the Hebrew says swallowed up. And so the question is, when you take steps of faith, you have an opportunity to be set free, or when you want to take visible steps on your own, you have a chance to be swallowed up. It's your choice. And then it goes from there to, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, verse 29b, I wrote in myself because it wasn't there. I know, I don't do this very often, but I thought it would be important, okay? There's nothing here. What? And I asked myself, why? The writer just skipped an entire 40-year segment as they wandered in the wilderness. Oh, wait a second. They weren't living in faith. When you don't live in faith, you don't make the story, friends. 
when you don't live in faith, nobody gets to see. It's not ever spoke about again. You don't get to be a part of the story for ages to come. It is when you take invisible steps that everybody else gets to see the visible reality played out in your life. Why? Because of your obedience. The reason that it just skips right there from 29 to verse 30, it goes from walking across the Red Sea to now you're at a place where you're talking about the walls of Jericho falling is because those are matters of faith. And when you're not faithful, you don't get to be written into this story. Do you see the point? And so verse 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, and they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she gave friendly welcome to the spies. I mean, someone who's not even in this story. I mean, a prostitute could be a part of this, could be a part of the hall of faith. Yes, why? Because she took steps that weren't visible. She was commended for living out something that she had to what? Partner knowledge and belief and trust with a step of faith. And then it just goes on and it says, verse 32, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me uh, to tell Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Do you see all these? You have the judges of Israel. You have the kings of Israel. You have a prophet who blessed the kings of Israel. And you have the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's Daniel. Remember that? Daniel chapter 6. Quenched the power of fire. That's his friends. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They escaped the edge of the sword. Many Old Testament prophets escaped the edge of the sword. Were made strong of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to the test. Why? Because in faith it unleashes the unyielding power of God over your circumstances. Like, here it is. Like, listen, there's some of you in here that you're like, God, where are you? Can you just give me a visible sign? Like, just show me something. And that was half the room in here. You're like, just show me something. Here it is. He has shown you everything you need. It's called the Word of God. And all He wants you to do is take an invisible step, partnering the knowledge, the belief, into a step of trust. It's called faith. And when you do that, you unleash the unyielding power of God over your circumstances. It is Daniel chapter 3, really verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were asked, why will you not bow down? And they said, King, we don't have an answer for you in this matter. Well, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And, he said, and they said this, and that's fine. Why? Because we believe that our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. Do you understand? That's faith. Faith is saying, God, I believe that your power is manifested over my circumstances. And listen, it's not that every single time that your circumstances are going to work out for you. But it's God's unyielding power in the midst of that. That in the midst of that, he gives you the strength to endure it. That in the midst of it, he gives you the faithfulness to keep pressing on. That even if you suffer loss, like if you die in the midst of this, that you're commended for your step of faith. Because listen, all of us are guaranteed this one thing in life, and that is death. But the question is, is this, has God, has God already paid with unyielding power in, in the matter of death? And the answer is yes. He has conquered sin, death, the grave, and the sting thereof. And so even upon your death, Paul says, it's to do what? To depart from the body. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. He's won that too. 
And so faith unleashes just the unyielding power of God. But look at 35, because that sounds good. I mean, you can overcome lions, you can overcome fire, you can be mighty in war, you can throw down the Philistine and chop his head off. Like, that's awesome, right? Yeah, I want faith. But here's what faith also does. And then there were women who received back their dead by resurrection. That's the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite. Uh, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others, they suffered mocking. That was Samson at the hands of the Philistines and flogging with sticks. Even the chains of imprisonment, that was Joseph and many others. They were stoned. That was Zechariah being stoned to death. They were killed with the sword, such as the 85 priests in 1 Kings 19. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. That was Elijah. If you remember, John the Baptist wandering around like what? Eating locusts and wearing the skin of what? A camel. Who are you? Are you Elijah? You know what they're referring to now, right? Of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about the deserts and uh, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves in the earth. So the question is this: Is that is that faith too? Like suffering? Yes. And here's why: because our faith, or lack thereof, is best made visible in our adversity. Now, this is not the answer that we really like because we love unleashing the power of God over our circumstances. We love the fact that God would come in and mow over a bunch of Philistines, that he would come in and destroy a bunch of Moabites. But there are times where we suffer at the hands of an oppressor. There are times where we go through circumstances that you and I cannot understand, that there is no visible answer to. But yet we walk by faith and not by sight. We trust God in the midst of the adversity, knowing that he'll use that for our good and for his glory. It's a reminder of John chapter 9. Uh, there was a boy that was born blind, and Jesus and his disciples were walking through the town. And, and the disciples go, hey, Jesus, why is this, more, this, this boy, why is he born blind? Is it because of his sin or his parents' sin that he's this way? And Jesus said, it's neither. It's so that the power of God might be, what, displayed in his life. See, sometimes God allows us to go through some really difficult type things, some adversity. Why? Because our faith, or lack thereof, is best evidence in that. So when you're about to get your, your head sawed off, you have an awesome opportunity to take an invisible step that makes a visible impact. There are pastors all across the world that are in places that are much more difficult than the places that we're in now. And I'll tell you this, there are very few pastors even now in our country that are willing to take a what invisible or in, in some cases visible stand because of the slight persecution. We may be thrown under you know, the, the bus on Facebook or, hey, someone may not like us. But there are people who are taking stands all across the world in much more difficult things, and they are be commended for their faith. Why? Because in adversity, it ramps up. The church in America is dying. Churches all across this land are shutting their doors year after year after year. For you and I to be a part of a place that's growing and vibrant and healthy and seems to be strong, is truly, truly, truly a rarity in this day and time. 
Like, you need to know that. Like, you need to know how much of a work that God is doing here. And it's not because of our faith or because of, I mean, it's just God is just doing an incredible work here. And it is an incredible work. But I'll tell you that this is not the norm. And the reason I say that is because you and I have an opportunity to take a stand every single day and allow God to commend us later for that faith. And there are places that they they just don't do that, and, and they don't know how to do that. And so that's our greatest goal as pastors is to equip you to take steps, even though sometimes they're invisible, for the purpose of God being glorified in you and your life. And then it simply goes on, it says, and all these things, verse 39, though commended through faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should, what, not be made perfect. What? Hold on, that's confusing. Okay, and all of these, though commended for their faith, so all of these, Rahab, Moses, Noah, Sarah, Abraham, the prophets of old, all of these, they're commended by their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. What? At the end of their life, though they died, there still was not the final, what, picture of punishment for their place. At that point in time, upon the Old Testament saints' death, guess what? They had still not had that final work. And so Jesus would, what, display it. So what are, you, what are you saying, Rand? So here's what I'm saying. Old Testament saints, they, they were waiting and watching for Jesus to lay his life down. We are on the flip side of it, and we look back to it. So they long for expectation, and we look, and we go, wow, isn't that awesome? And we've seen the work already. So which is more acceptable or what's easier to live for? I don't think you can make a case. Why? Because God's manifested himself throughout all ages to his people in different ways. But the question is, is do you take the knowledge and the belief and take a step of trust? Because that's faith. And I'll tell you this, faith is not demonstrated simply because of what you, uh, as God, God's doing in our lives, but what he's done in all the lives that come before us. So like you may go, well, well, just look at my faith. No, no, no. Like faith is most demonstrated when you look at all the people collectively. Matter of fact, that's what, that's what this whole idea sums up to in this next chapter. Before there were chapters and verse, this is the final thought that went with this section of Scripture. And look at it in verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's marked out before us, looking to Jesus, the what? The author, the founder of our faith. For the joy who is set before us, he endured the cross, despising his shame, and he seated what? At the right hand of the throne of God. I love what Cody said. The work of God is finished. Why? Because in Old Testament, priests would continue standing in their duty. Jesus is sitting. Why? Because it's finished. And our faith is not displayed just by what God's doing here. But look at the pattern. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like you're here and you go, man, God, I just wish you would show me something. God, I just wish you would reveal yourself in some way, some form that I could see it. And I want to say he has. 
He did. Look at the faith of Abraham. Look at the faith of Noah. Look at the faith of Rahab. Look at the faith of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Look at the faith of all the people. Look at the faith of your boss who keeps living it out in the midst of his cancer. Hey, look at the faith of that couple you know that even though they've been through difficult times in their marriage, they keep fighting it out, fighting it out. No, working it out, working it out, working it out. Sometimes fighting it out, but for God's glory. Think about the people who have taken that move, and you, you watch them, and you go, man, I cannot believe they're, they're going to go to Tanzania. They're going to leave everything. They sold their house and all their goods, and they're going to go to a people that don't know them. Like, wow, what a step of faith. Man, I wish I had that kind of faith. Man, I wish I had their kind of faith. I wish I could go on that mission trip, but I, I, just, I just can't. Oh, I just can't. So you got these six things that are true in every single person's life that takes a step of faith. There's also this one thing that's true that prevents you from moving forward right now. And it's fear. You're so afraid. You're so afraid. God, how do I take a step? Because it's just not visible. I can't see it. God, I, I, I do. I believe I should go here today. Like there's, today, you got group link, and there's some of you, you need to be in a group so bad. Like you need friends because you have no friends. And don't get me wrong, you've got some acquaintance, you got some, but you have no one that you're doing life with, and you need so badly to do life with people. You need so badly some people to come around you and show you a fixed point of truth in God's Word and go, hey, let's take a step of faith together. You need that, and you need that, but you go, oh, I can't, I can't. Are they going to come to my house? Do I have to host? Do I have to cook? I know it's fearful for some of you, I know. Do I have to share my story? I mean, do I have to go up and uh, do I have to just tell everybody everything that's gone in my life? I mean, I don't even know these people. Oh, how weird. And you go, I just can't. And there's a hundred reasons why you shouldn't, and it's all based off of fear. And my question is, is this, what do you want to be known for? I mean, truly. I mean, what do you want the story to be told about you for ages to come? He was a man of faith. Ah, she lived in fear. I mean, honestly, because it's one or the other. Man, there were people with faith. They didn't have everything that everybody else had. But man, you should have watched them. They, were, they lived it out. They took a lot, of, a lot of steps that I was wondering what they were doing. And, man, it worked out for them time after time. Well, there was this one time it didn't work out for them. They looked pretty foolish. But God saw them through it. There was a coach um, in Seattle. His name's Joe Kennedy. You might have heard this story about a year ago. It was a year ago this fall. Um, he watched the movie Facing the Giants back in about 2007, 2008 when it came out. And through that, he felt so strongly that he should begin praying after every game. And so every game, he would go to the 50-yard line and he would pray. And he didn't ask anybody else to be a part of it, but Surely, after just a few weeks, some students started taking notice and saying, Hey, coach, we see you praying. Can we pray with you? And he goes, Hey, it's a free country. I can't stop you from praying, man. Come on. And just slowly, over the years, that thing grew. And after a period of about seven or eight years, literally after a ball game, they were no to go to Coach Joe because Coach Joe was going to pray, and they would pray. Last September, he got a letter from their school district and said, Coach Kennedy, you are no longer to pray after a ball game. There can no be, be no resemblance of prayer, no bowing your head, no posturing your knee. 
this thing's over. And he wrestled with that, wrestled with that. But ultimately, he remembered a vow. He said, God, if you'll allow me to coach these kids and to be a part of this game, there's no reason that after the game I can't thank you for that. And he goes, I believe that it's worth taking a step of faith. I don't know what's going to happen for me. And he didn't do it in outright obstinance towards them, but he said, I did it because I made a covenant and a vow to God that I would do this. And so on October 23rd, he went out and he prayed. In November, he had his first formal write-up with negative reviews. Out of all the years that he was employed for that school district, he had never been written up one time. In January, he was let go. Because of this, based on, quotes, his alleged failure to follow district policy regarding religious expression and his alleged failure to supervise students sufficiently after the game. When asked, would you do anything different? He said, no, I wouldn't. Quote, I've always taught my guys to stand up for what they believe in, even if it's not popular. And so a question is, is, do you want to take a step of faith even if it's not popular? You know, do you want to build a boat even though you've never seen rain? Do you want to walk across a Red Sea even though you go, I don't know how this thing's going to part? What do you want to be commended for? Are you going to let fear drive out everything? Can I just tell you, if there's one thing you should remember on Tuesday, here it is. You ready? Are you ready? Yeah? If you'll feed your faith, your fears will starve to death. If you'll feed your faith, your fears will starve to death. Y'all say it with me. Feed your faith, and your fears will starve to death. The question is, what are you feeding? I pray so. Let me pray for you, church. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the work that you're doing here. And I pray that we would be known as a people of faith. That If people talk about Stone Point Church, they go, I don't know why they do some of the things they do. I don't understand some of the things they do. But do you watch them? They are people of faith. They trust God, and God continues to come through. And Lord, I confess to you right now in the presence of these many witnesses, there has never been a time, a circumstance in my life, and I've faced many. There's never been a point in leadership this church that we've taken a step of faith and you did not come through for us. It didn't always work out on the end where everybody else saw how it worked out. But God, we've always trusted you and we've always allowed you to to guide us. And Father, you have always done just that. And so, Lord, we trust you and we ask that you would prevail in our lives. Help us to take invisible steps so that people see a visible work of obedience. May we know that obedience and faith couple together, they're, they're opposite sides of the coin. That when we take a step of, of obedience, we have to have faith. And every time we take faith, it requires a step of obedience. So help us, God. Help us to feed our faith and choke out our fears where they starve to death. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.